this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. What if your story is never heard? What if the testimonies of God's goodness, miracles, and salvation remain unshared and untold? Your children, your neighbors, and your family wouldn't know about the good things God has done. Your story matters. Your story is our story. It's God's story of redemption, grace, mercy, and kindness. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Your story of God's grace matters. Your story matters. You got, yeah, yeah. Good morning. Uh, man, there's a lot of people here. Uh, so I don't know a lot of you, but I'm really shy. So like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if... Uh, I could do this, but anyway, uh, I'm Nolan, and this is my wife, Destiny, and we just wanted to share a little bit of, of our story. Um, it's not going to be about, like, how we came to Christ or anything like that, but it's going to be just about where our heart is. Um, we we like to talk to, to people about Jesus. We like to talk to everybody, like, um, and I just, I want to share a, a quick story about that. Two years ago... Um, we were on an, an outreach weekend in Canton, and uh, they sent us out in in groups with with people we didn't know, and we would go out on the streets and we would talk to people. And um, I personally saw like six people that day get saved. Um, they I prayed with them, and, and they gave their life to Christ, and that was really cool. Um, but the next later on in the day, um, we were able to pair up with whoever we wanted, and I. I paired up with my wife. Um, probably a good idea. Uh, and then her sister was in town, and we paired up with her and her her boyfriend at the time. And they sent us out on the streets. And this particular part of Canton was kind of scary uh, for me. So I was out there like, hey, you know, where do we go? So we went to, uh, we ended up finding a, a Starbucks, yeah. And it was in a plaza. And, and we walked in to the, to the Starbucks. And there was this girl in line behind me and I just said, Hey, I want to buy your coffee. And she said, me? I said, yeah. And, uh, I said, but it's conditional. You know, I want to tell you about Jesus and what he did for you first. And she said, well, if you're buying my coffee, you can tell me about whatever you want, you know? So I said, okay. So we started, we started talking and, and we were in line and it was a long line. So this worked out great. Cause I had a lot of time, you know? So, uh, she started walking with me and, and I was telling her like, well, do you know Jesus? You know? And she said, uh, no, I mean, I, I study a lot of religions. I think they're all pretty good, you know? And I'm like, Phew. so, uh, so yeah. Actually, actually she said, I believe there is truth in, in all religions. Yeah. And then Nolan said, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. <laughs> so, so my big moment, you know? So anyway, uh, so I talked to her and I, I just, I told her like, you know, who, who Jesus is and what he did for her. And, and, um, I just wanted to pray with her and I prayed with her and we, we got through the line 
and I bought her coffee. And I just said, so, you know, what's, what's your story? Like, what are you going through, you know? And, and she said, oh, I just moved in with my boyfriend and uh, we don't have anything. We don't have a, a couch or we don't even have a coffee table. And I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't condone you moving in with your, your boyfriend before you're married, but I will say, I'm trying to be supportive. Like, I'm like, you know, hey, uh, let me get you a coffee table. And we were in the, the store, tar, uh, Starbucks was inside a Target. So she was blown away and we started walking around um, trying to find her a coffee table and we couldn't find one. Um, and she was, she was due to go on her shift at work and she worked next door. And so she said, hey, I got to go. I said, well, look, I'll bring it to you. And so she went to work and we went to Value City Furniture, which was right down the road. And um, I walked in the door and there was this guy, his name was Benjamin. He was working the door and he was, he was a bigger guy, like kind of intimidating, whatever. And I said, um, he said, how can I help you today? And I said, it would help me if I could tell you about Jesus. So uh, he said, whoa, uh, I mean, I guess. And I said, okay. So I'm, I'm talking to him and he said, yeah, I was raised Catholic. You know, I was in church and, and stuff. And I just, I fell away, you know, I'm having a rough time. And I just said, well, what's going on? And and we started talking a little bit, and um, he said, well, I'm actually, like, I'm ready to, to get off, so um, I want to go. He said, we could just go talk. So we went and sat on this, like, super expensive couch, you know, and <laughs> we're sitting there, and we're hanging out. And uh, he said his dad had, had died and left him this farm, and he was responsible to take care of his mother and, his, and this farm. And he was lost and he just didn't feel like if Jesus even was real, that he was there for him. And, um, his, his mother was in the hospital at the time as well. And, uh, I just said, well, look, man, he is real and he is there for you. And I know this is a tough time, but like, let's get through it together. You know, let's talk about it. So we talked and I was, I was, I was giving him the gospel message, you know, and, um, he just said, well, that's all fine. Like, but I just can't believe that, that, somebody rose from the dead. And I'm like, well, not just somebody, you know, but anyway, I said, uh, I said, if you could just do me a favor and just when you go home, when you get off your shift, just, just pray like Jesus, make yourself real to me, you know? And I said, and that's all you got to pray. Like he'll make himself known to you, I believe. So I said, uh, I said, set an alarm in your phone. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. So he set an alarm and and my wife's sister, who was sitting beside me, said, she said, I have a word of knowledge for you. And he said, well, it's a word of knowledge, you know. And uh, she said, I, I think God is telling me that he wants you to know that it's going to be a, a woman that makes this change in your life. And she said, I don't know what that means, but I just wanted to say that. And he didn't know what to do with that, you know. And so we, we parted ways, and um, we couldn't, we, the the coffee tables at Value City were like outrageous. So I grabbed her a gift card, you know, and I ran it over. So we went, we went back to, to her work and I'm like, Hey, you know, here's a hundred bucks. Let's go. So she was touched, you know, and that was really good too. Um, but we, we went back to the, to the event and later on the event was over. We went to Chili's. It was like midnight and, um, we were eating and I got a call and I didn't recognize the number and the, the voice at the other end of the phone said, Nolan. And I said, yeah. And he said, how did you know? And I said, what do you mean? 
I said, who is this? He said, this is Benjamin. And I said, oh, okay. I said, how did I know what? And I mean, I'm, I'm grinning from ear to ear because I'm like, something cool happened, you know. So he said, um, that girl that was with you, how did she know? And I just said, you're going to have to start making sense because I have no idea. And he said, I, I went home. I got off at nine and I, I went home and uh, I, my alarm went off on my phone and he said, uh, it said to say this simple, you know, prayer. He said, and I, I yelled it, you know, and I was just like, okay, good, that's over with. And he said, immediately, as soon as I finished the prayer, he said, it popped into my mind that while I was at work, this girl that I used to see called me and I ignored her. I'm like, I don't want to talk to her. So he said, immediately, her, her name popped into my mind and he said, oh my goodness, I have to call her. So he called her and she answered the phone and said, hey, you know, it's, it's been a while. And he's like, yeah, what did you need or whatever? And she said, well, uh, since we last saw each other a year ago, um, I was in a really dark place, she said, but I, I got some friends and they know Jesus. And um, she said, and I've been going to church and Benjamin said, oh my goodness, we have to get together. Like tonight, let's go somewhere, let's hang out. So they went and I mean, it was just, how that touched us was, I just, I don't know, like to go out and, and talk to somebody about Jesus, like you don't have to be on some mission. Like, I mean, yeah, you could be a missionary. That's awesome, you know, but your everyday life is, is the mission field. And like just going out into Walmart or at Walmart's kind of hard. There's some scary, yeah, I don't, but anyway, uh, but you know, just going out into like, uh, somewhere. And, you know, when you talk to your cashier, you know, for me, it started just by telling people, God bless you. when I would leave them, um, whether it was a cashier or, or anyone. And that was a really hard like hurdle for me. I'm like, I don't want to tell somebody about God, you know, but that's simple. Like for now, you know, I'm tell everybody, you know, Hey, Jesus loves you or God bless you or whatever. And, but now, I mean, for us, after seeing something like this happen, um, we're out there all the time and, and we're not like going on special trips just, just to do this. We just go to our grocery shopping and we want to talk to people about, about Christ. And my son prayed for six people at, or something yesterday, like at Mary Yoder's, like at the restaurant. He's like, uh, you know, he's six and he's out there like, can I pray for you? And I'm like, son, get over there. You know, he's praying and he's doing, I mean, he's killing it. They all are, but either way, I just want to encourage you all through our story like this, that this is simple. Like it's not, it's just taking the time to talk to somebody. It's, it's not like you have to, you don't have to have it all together yourself. Um, you just have to know what Christ did for you and, and go tell somebody, anybody. I mean, just, you know, it, you got to start somewhere and it's just, it's life changing when, when, when you make somebody cry, I mean, that's like, you know, it, it feels good. I mean, I feel kind of bad saying that, but it, it feels good, you know? So, all right. Goodbye. <laughs> that's awesome. And we know what you meant when you make someone cry. You're like, <laughs> if you really hurt someone's feelings, it just feels amazing. No. Uh, no, it's true, though. When you open your mouth and you just feel that nudge from the Spirit to um, 
Can you hand me that iPad, babe? When you feel that nudge of the spirit to share something with somebody, and sometimes it's just God loves you, and sometimes it's something unique, yeah. Um, that can absolutely move them in a powerful way. And I, I see it all the time, how God wants to move through us and in us. And all he wants is an obedient heart. He just wants a trusting, willing person. Amen? And that was a moment in their life. They actually shared part of this over Amelia last night at, at Life Group at my house. And uh, it was beautiful. In fact, the presence of God really came to the table when we ended in prayer and God was moving. And you know, I wanna kind of share that real quick that I asked everybody at our table, I said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna be quiet before the Lord and we're gonna ask God to speak to us and give, give somebody at the table an encouraging word or a, a verse. And we just were quiet long enough God spoke and it was powerful. There was a lot of tears. It was beautiful. And it was like, a lot of people said, that was really touching. That's exactly what I needed. You know, and uh, God wants to use your life. Uh, he wants to use your life. So my story, this is one of my favorite sermon series uh, of the year. This is the only sermon series that we repeat. And uh, today we're talking about Peter's, the story of Simon Peter. And then we're gonna talk about uh, a widow in the Old Testament. And I wanna share this with you. This is kind of the big premise today is my story inspires faith. How many of you, when you heard them share that the first time they started to open up and pray with someone, did that not stir your faith that you can pray for someone? I mean, that guy, Benjamin, he got a call. He set the alarm in his phone, just like they said. And then there she was, you know, hey, I just wanna tell you about Jesus. Like God can put the pieces of the puzzle together for people that really starts to shape their life and change their life. And you know what all he wants from you? It's a little bit of obedience, just a little bit of faith. Amen? All right, so I, I, the subtitle of this first half is Becoming God's Man, all right? Becoming God's son more than God's man because Peter, you could tell when, when you read, he wanted to be God's man. He wanted to be the man in charge and he wanted to be the man. Uh, in fact, does any of you have, any of you guys have a friend that you call him the man? He's the man, you know, and there's like, he wanted to be that guy. Um, I want to look at, I want to look at 2 Peter 3.18. I want you to picture the smile in Peter's eyes. He's older when he writes this. So he's thinking back about his time of walking with Jesus. And now he's been following Jesus and teaching Jesus for years. And look what he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If anybody had to grow in grace, I think it was Peter, right? Over and over, uh, Peter would blow it, but he had to grow in grace. And now in the Bible, uh, he writes down, hey, that we can be growing in grace. So Jesus sees Peter fishing and he calls out to him, Peter, I will make you a fisher of men. So Peter receives this promise, listen, that he will make him more than what he is. And Jesus gives you the same promise. I will make you. It's like what God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. You know, God can do more with you than you can do with you. Let God reach out to you and say uh, a promise to your life. I will, I will do something powerful in your life if you'll let me. If you haven't seen The Chosen yet, I know I've mentioned it two or three times now, but it's just that good. A lot of older Christian movies that just make me shake my head, you know, at the acting and cinematography is so bad. But The Chosen has done a really good job. And so I'd encourage you to watch that. It's totally free. They have an app. But uh, they show this, this picture so well of, of Peter knowing the internal battles uh, of 
of Jesus knowing the internal battles of Peter, and Peter's always the outspoken one, and he's the one um, probably telling the jokes and the life of the party at every local restaurant and every local pub. And here Jesus reaches out to him and he says, I will make you a fisher of men. And he's like, fisher of men, I fish for fish. Like that, you know, that it doesn't make sense. And so it took a while for Peter to understand, but I gotta be honest, Peter reminds me a lot of myself, okay? So just curious, is anybody else the type of person you're like Peter where you put your foot in your mouth and you only take it out to put the other foot in? Is anybody, uh, okay, thank you. I see that hand, right, right? All right, so I have done this on many occasions. I'm gonna tell you of just one. All right, of just one. I was standing right here. This is my first year of pastoral ministry, my very first year of being lead pastor. And boy, I just, I just, I just hit it out of the park this day. This couple came up and uh, he looked to be about 25 and she looked to be about 65. And he said his name and I said, oh, is this your mother? And he, <laughs> fill in the blank. He said, no, this is my wife. And I was like, oh, and so I'm at a guy, I'm a never at a loss for words. Guys, I said nothing. For a quality of like 60 seconds, I was like, wow. Let's pray. And I, I just prayed. It was the most awkward prayer ever. I was like, Lord, bless this couple that you've brought together in matrimony. Amen. They never came back, ever. It was terrible. I failed. So has anybody else like Simon Peter where you've said the wrong thing ever? Okay, ever, if you're married and you're a man, I want you to raise your hand. Have you ever said the wrong thing? All the men, thank you. I appreciate that you guys were not being quite honest with me a minute ago. And now you're like, yes, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So even though Peter was given this promise by Jesus that he would change him from being somebody who's this, you know, outspoken blabbermouth jokester, maybe that he would conform him and transform him into somebody different. I mean, he was altogether a fisherman. He knew fish. He knew swimming things in the water that stinks and have gills. He didn't know pastoral ministry. He didn't know grief counseling. He didn't know homiletics. Right. But look, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do that in you. I will teach you how to shepherd people, how to fish for people and care for people. Isn't that beautiful? That God looks at us and always sees what we can be. But think about this. Even though Peter was given a promise, he would have to face reality and step into the next stage of his story. This is a big part that I want to share with you today, that in this My Story seasons, there are, in this My Story series, there are seasons of your life that God is still writing the chapters of your book. That's why I love, I love the typewriter. I've always loved the typewriter. When I found this at a garage sale a few years ago, I got really excited. And I was like, lady, I need this for my sermon. I was like, because God is always writing a new chapter in your book that's new to you. But guess what? God already knew it was coming and he's just waiting for you to say yes to it, okay? So look, think about this. He had to put down his identity, his income and his security. And you might have to too. Fishing was his identity. He was a fisherman. That's what I am. In fact, how many of you, you ever meet someone, especially guys tend to do this? Oh, what do you do for a living, right? It's, it's just what we do. Uh, thank you for saying that. It was a rhetorical question, but that works just fine, no one. So when we ask, <laughs> I love it. My youth group kids used to do that when I was a youth pastor. They would, I would ask a question. <laughs> they would just, yeah, five years ago. Yeah. So 
That really threw me off. What was I saying? Thank you, Nolan. I love you, buddy. His identity. Your identity. Thank you. Your identity. His identity was wrapped up in being a fisherman. Keep in mind too, this was his income. And how many of you men think it's a good idea to put food on the table for your family, right? Yes, it's a good idea. So your income, his identity, his security. And yet when Peter said yes to Jesus, he was saying no to security. He was saying no to the known. So I can stay here and live the status quo, boring life I've been living, or I can say yes to Jesus and step into the unknown. How many is ready to say yes? How many of you already said yes? You jumped off the cliff. Come on. And God has been good to you, right? See, his reality was he was a fisherman. And just like every other fisherman, he knew his trade. But listen, you can start to see miracles in your life. You can see God intervene in your story. But it begins with trusting Jesus' outstretched hand. It begins with believing Jesus when he says, I will make you into something you're not yet. Trust me, I will make you, Ray, trust me, Bob, trust me. That scripture you read this morning, trust me, I will make you into something you're not yet. And by the way, are you facing discouragement? Because I see this all the time in pastoral ministry. I saw it three times this week. I would love to share their names, but I won't share it. People who were faced with discouragement because the call of God is so obvious on their life. So I want to say this. Are you facing discouragement, a battle, and feeling inadequate and unable? Great. Because that is the sign that you are on the cusp of God taking you into the next season of your story, of your destiny. I see this all the time. Somebody was saying, oh, pastor, I just, yeah, but I can't. I have so much discouragement. I don't know what's wrong with me because I got this wrong with me, this wrong with me. I'm like, do you know the call of God on your life? And I just want to slap them. You know, like the moves like, like, like they don't see, sometimes people don't see the, the anointing, the talent that they have for a certain thing. But Satan wants to get in your head. And Satan wants to say, oh, just, you know, you just, just stay here. Just don't do that. Just don't speak up. Just don't go, right? And we talked about that in the last sermon series. He's an intruder and a liar. Turn to your friend right now and say, he's a liar. He didn't, Peter didn't know how to be a rabbi, a teacher. But then who, who is it that preaches and 5,000 people are saved at the day of Pentecost? It's Peter, right? He doesn't know homiletics, it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. God enabled him. God enabled him for the grace. It's amazing. Have you ever read the story of Peter tagging along? Just one more, just a funny moment from scripture. You know, you know scripture has some funny moments in it, right? Has anybody read scripture long enough to know that there's some funny, like pretty funny moments in there? Jesus in Matthew 17, he's transfigured into his glorious image, like literally revealed as God himself. Moses and Elijah show up in this encounter. Moses is representing the law, Elijah representing uh, the prophets. In fact, in Luke 24, Jesus says, all that is summed up in the law and the prophets speaks to me. So there's this glorious moment where Elijah, Moses and Jesus are seen in their glory. And Peter's like, you guys want a tent? I'll make you a tent. (laughs) That's funny. And Jesus is like, bro, I don't need your tent. He's like, I'll make you a tent. I'm a good tent maker. I mean, seriously, that's the kind of stuff he does. It's like, you want some Kool-Aid? Like, no, I don't need Kool-Aid. I don't need a tent. Just let this moment happen. 
right? But here's what's neat. I was thinking about that. I was like, I, I was going to include that just for fun about Peter. But then I thought, you know what? Jesus was actually telling Peter something cool there because Peter is a doer. And you know what Jesus was saying? I like your, I like your buildings and what you build, but more than your buildings, I want your friendship. And you gotta be careful that the longer you follow God, that you don't get carried away in what you're doing for God and, and, and missing being with God. So Jesus is like, I just want you with me right now. I invited you up this mountain just so that you can be with me, right? So maybe Peter's story is a lot like yours and your story of faith, Jesus is more concerned with your friendship with him than what you can do for him. And like Peter, we can all too easily forget the incredible moments that we shared with Jesus. We can start to cave into compromise or apathy once culture makes its demands. Once you start making compromises in your entertainment or now even church itself becomes, you know, an option instead of like this amazing opportunity to all gather and worship. We've, why? Well, this happens when we forget. And Peter did this. Peter forgot the moments that he walked with Jesus. And if you've been a Christian long enough, you know what I'm talking about. You can have seasons in your life when you forget the goodness of God. And in your story, you have to remember the goodness of God. You have to go back and think back. It's like what God uh, told them in the Old Testament, teach your children about the goodness of God. Teach your children about your story. In fact, last year when I did this sermon series, I had all the parents gather and talk to their children. And we're gonna do something somewhat similar today, but Peter had to overcome financial security, the risk of not having his bills paid off. Can we make this real? Peter had to overcome the bad habit of speaking before listening. That is a habit that's hard to break. Peter had to overcome his own pride and realize that he was chosen not to be famous so that he could die making Jesus famous. Remember, it's Peter, one of the ones that says like, hey, I'm gonna be right here with you. I'm like, I'm like a right-hand man, right? Like I'm like the VP of the kingdom, you know? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're one of many. And in our story of becoming like Jesus and worshiping like Jesus, we face these temptations, don't we? Even when we think we're doing great and sometimes God's like, you're doing great, but then there's this pride issue, <laughs> right? Has anybody ever had this? Like you're doing great. And then the Holy Spirit were like, well, but yeah, you're kind of being rude to your spouse. Let's work on that. And then we got to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm still open to you teaching me and making my story a beautiful story. Because guys, God's still writing your story. He's still teaching you. He's still discussing with you what it means to really love Jesus. And sometimes that really means picking up your cross, sacrificing convenience. Amen? So these obstacles in Peter's life, in his character, they're there to strengthen and resolve and ultimately make us more like Christ. Obstacles allow us to be broken. Financial hardship. You have to realize this was financial hardship. I was talking with a pastor this week was, that was talking about the risk that he would be making for him and his family to obey what he feels the Lord is asking him to do. It's a huge financial risk. But do you know, I believe not just people in ministry, I believe all disciples, all followers of Jesus have substantial risk at some point in their life. Substantial risk. I have to risk my job or I have to risk this or risk that to do the will of God. Why? Because it's countercultural sometimes. 
Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. I'm so thankful that God has given me peace in my heart, that I have right standing with God. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Right? So by faith, we take hold of this grace. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? We don't rejoice in our sufferings. That's strange, right? I lament my sufferings, right? I don't know about you. But there are times now, the longer I follow Jesus, I actually get what he's saying, because here's why. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts as a deposit, right? Through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. While we were still weak, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time, Christ died for you. For one scarcely would die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would die. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, one of my favorite verses, one of the verses I use almost any time in, in leading someone to salvation, that while we were still sinners, Christ loved us and saw us as a children of God, as a child of God. I am so thankful. I am so thankful that God looked at me the way he looked at Peter and said, I can work with that. And that's what we're gonna talk about throughout the rest of the sermon. He looks at you and he says, I can work with that. Now, some of you might hear that and you say, yeah, but he looks at me and he sees like a dumpster fire, <laughs> right? No, he still says, I can work with that. And some of you, the problem's opposite. It's pride. You say, well, yeah, of course he can work with this. I mean, pretty amazing. And trust me, as a pastor, I meet these people, right? There's absolutely nothing they need to repent of. They, they are the Boy Scout, Gold Scout, whatever. They are the best. Listen, whether your problem is pride or shame, God can work with you. And God wants to work with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to work with you. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men so that they could see your good works. Why did I include that verse? Because if you have a vase and it's got cracks and it's broken, the light can shine out. And so many times people don't see the light of Christ in a, in a Christian's life because they're unwilling to display the brokenness. You gotta be willing to say, I am broken and I was in need and this is what God forgave me of. Now, for some of you, it's scary. How many of you would just give me just a little nod, just give me a little Methodist nod, right? that it's a little scary to be honest with other Christians about what he's forgiven you of. How about, who, who wants to go full charismatic? Just raise your hand and be like, that's all me. Yes, right? We were doing this around our dinner table last night. We said, all right, we'll talk about either God, a time when God had to change your mind, you had to repent of sin, or he was teaching you something you needed to know. And it was beautiful. Guys, you gotta let grace do its work. You gotta let grace do its work. And that begins with being honest and saying, this is what God asked me to do and I didn't wanna do it. Or this is something that I had to repent of. I wanna share with you Carol Hetherington's story. Carol, can you just wave at him? Everybody say, hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. A of years ago, I stopped over Carol's house and I was getting to know her better. And uh, so I asked, what's something difficult that you went through, uh, but turns out it was God's plan? 
And so for being a quiet, moment, a quiet woman, she actually had quite a few stories. And I don't know if you know, Carol, Carol is the widow of Jim Hetherington, a former pastor here. So we honor you, by the way, we honor you. Can you put your hands together for Carol? And I just, I just feel led to say that because I know pastoral ministry can be very hard. There's things you face that you can't tell anyone. You can't tell a soul, right? And I want you to know we honor you. And I saw it because I saw my parents experience that. I've experienced that to a little bit. And uh, I can't say enough that we honor you. So I asked her, what are some of the stories of being a pastor's wife, you know, and just being in ministry? And she had some funny ones. And I asked her to mention, you know, a couple stories in particular that stood out to me. She said, when Jim and her moved up here from Florida in faith, it's actually a little bit similar to my parents. They moved in faith. They had no job or anything, right? So it's just like Peter, risking financial security, risking those things. But they said yes to the call of God. But when they arrived here, they found a home that wasn't even for sale. They asked if they could rent it. And part of their payment was that they would fix it up. And Carol was tired of working and really just wanted to be a mom. Right? But she did not want to go back to work, but her husband asked if she would go back to work. So she did. She was broken in the sense of brokenness, humility, submission to her husband, being willing to be used of the Lord. And so by a curious chain of events, she gets this job as an administrative assistant at a Bible college. And she made sure I knew it was a job she didn't want. She said, I don't know, I don't want to go back to work. Right? A few months later, her husband Jim. Okay, the pastor felt during prayer that God spoke to him to further his education to get a counseling degree. And she happened to share this with her boss and her boss said, well, since you work here, your husband gets that tuition free. Here they didn't have the money for it. All she said yes was, okay, I'll go work. Like, okay, Jim, I don't wanna go to work, but I'll go to work, right? And it was just so cute when she's sharing this with me and she's like, next thing I know, all of his tuition's free. See, God has a way of putting the pieces together in your puzzle if you'll just take the next step of obedience. And simply, a lot of Christians make this mistake though. They, they wanna see all the puzzle pieces and you want God to send you an email. I have news for you. He's not gonna send you an email. I've personally asked him this for years, about two decades. He's never once sent me an email, but he does nudge. He does nudge me in prayer and say this, this is what I want you to consider. You see, God was ordering their steps and it's about being broken before him. You see, brokenness, please don't miss this. Brokenness before God prompts obedience. Obedience is followed by favor. Let me say it again. You say, I want God to do something with my story. I want God to do something. How many would just give me a hand? You want God to do something with your story. Let me give you a little pattern, okay? I love patterns. I'm someone that studies patterns. I love studying musical patterns. I love patterns. Here's a pattern. Brokenness leads to obedience. So you see, pride leads to disobedience. So brokenness leads to obedience. Obedience leads to favor. I see this over and over and over as a pastor. And her story is one of many that she said, okay, Lord, I'm broken enough to, to, to stay, say yes to this. I'll go work for a little bit. I'll work these eight hours, this money, whatever it is. And see, God's like, all right, I can do something with that. I can do something with that. Let's turn back to Simon Peter. I'm sure Peter didn't imagine it would be him preaching on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. Now, by the way, they counted men. They didn't count women and children back then. So it could have been between 15, 20,000 people saved. 
He had no idea that God was preparing him for that moment, right? So Peter experienced this. And as we saw a few stories in the late in the gospels and, and early in Acts, uh, Peter started to let the success go to his head. And, um, you know, he's just like ecstatic about what's going on. And Peter had to be tempted. And he was clearly in scripture. He was tempted to think a few times, like, I'm pretty amazing, you know? And he, he next thing you know, he preaches and 3,000 people get saved. He had to think like, Jesus told me I am the rock. Like Dwayne Johnson has nothing on me. Jesus literally said, you are the rock, right? Like I am, I am the sauce, right? But listen to what happened. Sadducees, the religious leaders were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put Peter in jail. And during the night, an angel of the Lord broke them out. If you think this built up his ego and his confidence, he's like, y'all can't stop me, you know? Seriously, think about this. He's thinking, you know, how you like me now, right? And over and over though, Jesus would teach Peter what it means to humbly serve other people. And just when he thought he blew it, remember we talked about this a few weeks ago, Jesus comes to him and he affirms his identity as a child of God. And that he, he says, feed my sheep three times because, because he betrayed Jesus three times. And Jesus says, I still, Peter, I still want you on the team. I know you sold me out because you got more embarrassed about, about living uh, and being accepted by everybody, right? But I know you sold me out three times, but I am not, I am calling you into ministry three times. Can you imagine the anointing of Jesus, by the way, in that moment, sitting on that beach while Jesus is making him breakfast alone? We said last week, right? In your story, a lot of your best moments with God, you will be alone. There'll be no one around, just you and God. It's Peter who established this church on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, when I visited Israel four years ago and they had this church there that was said, this is the church Peter started. And it was just like breathtaking to sit there and think that Peter stood right here on this shore and had these moments with Jesus where he questioned his identity. He questioned his shame. He questioned if Jesus even wanted him in. But God always calls out to us and invites us back into the story. And he wants to use our lives if we'll just say yes. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter four. And we're gonna talk about another story who God showed up in her life in her need. Every need is different. Next week, Will's actually uh, preaching but you're also gonna hear from a young woman whose need will connect with some of you. You'll say, wow, that was me. And every single need is different. Second Kings chapter four, if you got it, say got it. Or if you're staring at the screen, say got it. One day a widow of a young a member of a group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, my husband who serves you is dead and you know he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come. He threatened to take away my sons as slaves. So what can I do to help you, Elijah said. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing but a jar of oil, olive oil, she said. Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside until it's filled. So she did as she was told and her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every jar, every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. And there aren't any more, they told her. And the olive oil stopped flowing. 
When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now go sell the olive oil, pay all your debts and live on what's left over. Everybody say leftover. Now this is an incredible moment. When you read scripture, you got to picture it. She's older now. She's widowed. She lost her husband. And in Mosaic law, if you didn't pay down your mortgage and your loan, your kids could be taken into forced labor. So she has less money in her purse, more wrinkles on her hand. She's sitting there alone, probably in her house while her sons are out in the field and she's desperate. Can you picture that? She's desperate. And she's crying out to God and she feels God nudge her, go tell the prophet. But think about this. Her husband was a minister with Elisha and worked with Elisha. So she's thinking, I can't go bother Elisha. I can't go to the man of God and say, do something. I can't just go up to Elisha and say, hey, my husband was a minister with you. Do something, pay our mortgage, pay our loan. Like, can you imagine? That would be, that would be like hard to bring herself to do. How many can you imagine? Like, but she's feeling this nudge to go to the prophet. So in her grief, in her questions, she says, I don't want to bother him. But she says, after all, just because my husband served Elisha and did ministry together doesn't mean he owes me something, but I'm going to go. So she goes, she went looking for the man of God. Elisha, you know, my husband served you well. Me and my sons are dying. We have no way to pay down our debt. They're going to take my babies. Imagine if you're a mom. And the creditors are knocking on the door saying, I'm going to take your sons if this isn't paid next month. How many of you would get a little fearful? So she's desperate. She's right where God wants her. When you're desperate, when you've exhausted all the options, that's when God shows up the greatest. Sometimes you, some of you are listening to this and maybe you're listening online and you're saying, I don't want to be desperate. I know it's not fun. But in that moment, that's when you are poised to see a miracle. That's a great spot for an amen. So I'm gonna try this side. In that moment, that's when you are poised to see a miracle. Okay. I wanna tell you a story of my own life when God did this for me. I wasn't dying. I didn't have children that were gonna you know, be taken away from me, but I was very stressed. I was a year and a half in, uh, I believe it was a year and a half or my second year in college there. Cause I remember I had, I had already spent all of my year savings from working in Chicago. I'd already given that to the school and you had to have, I think it was half your loan was paid upfront. So, cause they didn't want you to go into a life with this big uh, debt looming over you, which was actually a really cool policy. So, I was out of money. I, I was working at Wendy's, okay, until 1.30 in the morning. So school would get out at three and I would go work at Wendy's at 4.30 and, and I'm flipping burgers or taking orders, making a whopping, this is gonna age me, right? Making a whopping 5.89 an hour. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Anyway, I worked 39.5 hours. That way they didn't have to give me insurance, you know, benefits. That's, thanks, Wendy. Um, so I was getting really tired. Right? I'm going to school at seven and this would begin again the next day. And I'd work till 1.30 and get home about 1.45. So I'm starting to fall asleep in class 
And I came out and told my boss, I said, look, I have got to find another job. I said, I, I, sometimes they even have to go to chapel early to play guitar. Like I'm getting five hours of sleep and it's not working. I'm, I'm crashing. And so she understood. And so I'm looking for a job now and I cannot find a job. And to make matters worse, my friends were coming home with these big wads of cash because they were waiters at these nice restaurants. And they come home like, look at all these Benjamins. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm broke. Hey, has anybody ever been, you're in a dark place and God allows someone to come and be like, I'm not in a dark place. <laughs> you know, has anybody ever had that? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just stubbed my toe and you have that friend like, I've never stubbed my toe. I'm doing great. That's what it was like. So my friends were like bringing them the Benjamins and I'm just like, oh, I'm so stressed. All my savings was gone and I needed $200. I had $225 in the bank. I'll never forget this. I had $225 in the bank. The apartment itself was in my name. So they would pay me and I would pay the, uh, the, the apartment complex. This went on for about five weeks. I could not get a job. Guys, I walked into every restaurant to be a waiter. I tried everything, I could not get a job. And I put up my bass guitar in uh, my bass amp for sale, very reluctantly. I did not want to. I had just spent the last six months teaching myself uh, bass and I was so excited about that. And I was just starting to get a vision for a studio in the future after working with Tony Hooper for the school's first album. And so I felt like I was having to give up a part of a dream. Okay, see, and I, I know you're saying it's $200. You have to understand, I had $225 in the bank. So this might as well have been $2 million, okay? So I put up my base and my base amp in, in the uh, newspaper. This is before Facebook. So in the newspaper, and I'm just like so mad. Has anybody ever been mad at God? We talked about this last week. So I'm blaming God. I'm like, you called me to this school. You know, it's your fault I'm out of money. You know, and I'm kind of like, you know. And I, I go up and I go into a, a Friday night service and this elderly lady comes up prompted by the Holy Spirit. How many love these prophetic moments, right? So she comes up and I remember I was tuning my guitar and I wasn't on stage. Yet. I was just sitting there with the guitar. She goes, you know, the Lord wants me to tell you, don't sell your instruments. He's gonna use them for his glory. And here's $200. I'm like, what? I just started crying. I, started, I was fighting tears. I'm like, and now I'm doing the math on the logic. I'm going, there's no way she knew that because I didn't put my name in the ad. In fact, I went home to make sure that my name wasn't in the ad. It just had my phone number. And yet God prompted her and thank God for the prompting of the spirit, right? We just, they just talked about that, right? Thank God that th that, that lady obeyed. And she said, don't sell your instruments. God's gonna use them for his glory. Oh, and she, and she added, she said, and he will always provide for you. And I teared up, guys. That was a moment for me. That's part of my story that changed my life. Because I realized in that moment, God really does care. He really does care. And he has, he has genuine care for you. He's thoughtful. You see, this widow back in 2 Kings, she learned something. Her sons had a front row seat on the way she responded to God. So all the parents, I want to talk to you. Your kids are watching you. If you're struggling with something at work, your kids need to hear you say out loud, dear heavenly father, I ask you for wisdom. You see that? They need to hear you pray. I was talking with someone last night. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And I was talking with someone 
And this guy said, I feel like I need, my kids need to hear me say out loud, God, I trust you. And I said, absolutely, they do. They need to hear you out loud say, God, I trust you. This young man said, I feel like they're watching me. I said, they are. And so when you need wisdom from God, parents, grandparents, ask out loud with your kids at the table, with the Bible open. God, we need you. God, we need you to provide for this. And then that way they can see the miracle and celebrate with you. You see, your children are watching your story unfold. Do you think those boys, by the way, we, all, we always look at the widow, but think about the two sons. <laughs> can you imagine that news? It's getting a little quiet. You're eating some pasta. Hey, you might be a slave tomorrow. Just wanted to let you know. That wouldn't go over so well in America, right? We can't even get our kids to load the dishwasher, like let alone like, you know, take that out of the podcast. But that had to be real. Imagine those boys. So those boys, check this out. Don't miss this. Those boys watched their mom's faith on full display. Parents, your kids are watching you. They're watching how you respond to difficult situations. Will you pray and ask God for a miracle and then see the miracle and then celebrate the miracle together? Because if so, then your faith will become their faith. And I wanna tell you what God did for her, God can do for you. What God did for me, God can do for you. Amen? And it can be anything, whether it's healing your body, supplying a financial need. Guys, this week alone, three times people have told me that God healed a cyst off of their body. One of them was Ron, right back here. Ron, wave at him. Ron said he had a big thing on his shoulder and I did not ask his permission to share this. So please forgive me if it's not okay. Just throw something at me if it's not appropriate. Okay, so God healed him, like just totally took it away. Three conversations I've had about that this week. Last week, there was a prophetic word about it. So I called the girl on FaceTime and I'm like, I'm gonna declare that to be gone and you're gonna be healed and you're gonna have a baby and uh, God's gonna open your womb. Do you believe it? Let's go, let's pray right now. God can do anything in your story. God can take your story where it's at right now and it can be completely different tomorrow. Amen? Completely different. Now here's the fun part. Today, I'm not gonna ask you to come to the altar and to pray with me or a pastor or a prayer team member. I'm not gonna ask you to go to the sides. I'm gonna ask you to do something really scary. I need every extrovert to adopt an introvert. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do I know if I'm an introvert? If you're avoiding eye contact with everyone around you right now, if you're looking down sheepishly thinking, dear God, please don't point at me. Yes, you are an introvert. And if you're already looking around, spotting your victim, you are the extrovert. It's really pretty simple. 